Blog Talk Radio. Everybody, want to say Merry Christmas. This is being politically correct with your host MVP, the most viable Paul, the proud Diana Black, radical Puerto Rican man of God from the Bronx, where my life started. It currently resides in Bridgeport CT. Folks, we're gonna have a wonderful show tonight. We're gonna honor and celebrate the legacy of Jesus Christ. I know the Bible doesn't say about his actual birthday, but usually, to, but tomorrow represents um, the time that he was born. And that's something that's going to be honored and celebrated. So I just wanted to say, first of all, Merry Christmas to once again to my fellow brothers and sisters who are listening tonight. Before we get to tonight's topic, I want to first of all start off with a poem that just has become one of my favorites for different reasons, for different seasons, for different purposes. And this poem is called Hearts of Men. And the aspect and the meaning behind Hearts of Men is basically talks about how Men has to step up to the plate and be the spiritual leaders under God that must take care of the family, bring the glue as far as unity to keep it tight, to keep it close, and to bring that kind of foundation to the household. And I understand that there's a fatherless generation. I also understand that there's God that haven't been stepping forward and stepping up to the plate to be the leader that needs to be in the household. And this is an encouragement as well as a challenge for guys to step up and not be sperm donors, step up to be fathers, step up to be husbands, and and most of all, step up to be men of God, to be the leaders under Jesus Christ. And this poem goes like this, Hearts of Men. Where are your hearts, men? With the Lord... Where your heart is pure, like a clean conscience, or harder like a lion roaring with no teeth. Where are your hearts, men? Don't go by your hearts that were misled, but lead your heart to triumph in magnifying God. A wise person listens for instruction. A goof would not listen to rebuke that needs to cast down. All manipulated by Satan, whom will mislead you with the false lifestyle that you think is glorious. A man shall eat well by the fruit of his mouth, but the soul who is unfaithful feeds violence that leads to hunger, starvation, begging for salvation. A person who guards one's mouth preserves life where it continues to live. But on the other hand, one who opens one's mouth foolishly will not only be hurt, but will suffer destruction. A lazy person desires nothing but harmful food that accumulates garbage to your lowly body. Diligence will inherently gain riches. Someone whose righteous hates to lie, what's done in the dark will come to light. A lying person will have trouble keeping up with stories because one would not remember and will come to shame being righteous 
is blameless. Wickedness overthrows the sinner, but you don't see the unseen. Therefore, you're blind. You may have riches financially, but still have nothing. See, those who are poor will gain more inheritance besides money. Light of the wise will shine. Land will go out in flames to those who don't have wisdom. Being prideful leads to strife. Being faithful leads to eternal life. Hope separated from the Lord makes the heart sick that needs to heal. When desires comes, the heart is healed, pumping blood, erupted by the Holy Spirit. One who don't listen to God's words will go deaf. One who fears him will heed his words where his life is safe. Prudent people understand knowledge. Fools, on the other hand, don't understand knowledge will open up their moronic folly. Poverty will come to those who disdain correction, refuse to be overcomers. Those who rebuke will be honored. One who walk away with wise people will be wise. One who hang with goons will be destroyed. Love the Lord with all your heart, your mind, and your soul. Love your neighbor. One who hates their neighbor falls into sin. One who is merciful like God is full of grace. I fear you. I need the fountain of life in keeping my spirits and soul young. I turn away from the snares of death from those who don't even care. A beating heart revamps life. Envy decays your soul with rotten filth. Resist the oppression of condemnation. Surrender the Lord with uplifting revelation. So I ask you again, gentlemen, where are the hearts of men? Do you lead your heart in saying soft words that turn away wrath in loving your wife? Or do you lead your heart in harsh words that stirs up anger in your wife, leaving you astray? The abundance of the heart is what comes out of your mouth. Everything you say, the Lord's watching you with everything, paying attention to all good and evil. To better oneself a little will fear him than influence riches with trouble. See, being better is a dinner of chicken salad with fruits where love is than a fatted pork fried rice where hatred pierces one's heart to be evil. A wise man loves his family like Jesus loves his church. A foolish man puts his family on the back burner where all the thief does is steal, kill, and destroy one's joy. The light will shine on a man who can see the unseen will have his heart rejoice. The ear that hears any form of rebuke will never go deaf. If you fall into temptation of sin, the wages of sin will be death. The gift of God is eternal life. So where are your hearts, man? And that's the poem, Hearts of Men. Folks, 323-870-3279. Press 1 if you want to shine and share your thoughts or just listen in to tonight's discussion. And I just want to say once again, thank you all for listening in. This year went by so fast. It's just crazy how the year just blew by. And when you blink your eye, within a blink of an eye, New Year's Eve is right around the corner. So with that being said, before I get into tonight's discussion with Flex, I want to share the verse of the day. And the verse of the day comes from 1 Matthew one twenty one, where the Bible says that, And she will bring forth a son, and you should call him his name Jesus, for he will save his people from all their sins. And that's Matthew one twenty one. Folks, once again, Three two three eight seven zero three two seven nine. Press one one. Shine and share your thoughts. I want to elaborate on what this verse means. And when you think about the first part, when it says, "And she will bring forth a son," who is she? We're talking about Mary. And the angel that was sent from God commanded her to name the baby from the Virgin Mary, Jesus, for He would save His people from their sins. Is that verse is very simple? It's very direct. It's 
very intentional. If you give your life to Christ and confess and repent your sins, he will say he will save you from all sins. He will forgive you from your transgressions. Not saying that's going to be perfected, but this is what he's showing us. He's he's projecting this opportunity for us to be perfected in his love, in his law, in his ways, in his outlook of prophesying what God is saying. And the question becomes this, are we going to submit? Are we going to listen? See, people need to understand and realize that in the end, when our lowly bodies vanquish, you know, disintegrate, decay, it's going to go to two places, heaven or hell. And let me explain to everyone, don't take that for granted. Don't take it lightly either. For we're never promised tomorrow. That's why we live for today. Embrace and celebrate today because a lot can happen within seconds, within moments, within minutes, within you know, milliseconds, don't take your life for granted. Embrace everything that goes on in your life, good and bad. The good things, you cherish it. Even the bad, you give it on to the Lord and let him trust him to cleanse you so that you can testify to inspire others in preaching the gospel in Jesus' name. I want to give an update from last week. Um, I I, I had spoke out very passionately about how Netflix had promoted a stupidity, a comedy about Jesus Christ being portrayed as a homosexual and Mary being a pothead, you know, that smokes a lot of weed. And I'm very grateful to say this, that 1.3 million people who saw this uh, post, that I posted it and, and others who shared the post, that people have responded and doing the, and, and signed this petition to let it be known that this is unacceptable and that Netflix needs to really hone in on this kind of ignorance. So I'm grateful to say that 1.3 million people have signed this petition and took a stance. Because, see, the idea behind that is that we're going to make things real uncomfortable. When you think about the social injustice that Martin Luther King was fighting for, he made situations uncomfortable by not just taking a stance by itself along with, you know, the immediate brothers and sisters who was, who was affected by the racism and the social injustice, but he was able to be led by the Spirit to connect with those who are unaffected by the social injustice, join in and say this is wrong. And it's kind of similar in that sense of what, what we're trying to achieve as a community. And I definitely spoke out. My pastor had, um, had, had supported me in this. Everyone that signed a petition and, and was able to share and bring this attention to um, others and bring awareness and to bring forth fruit to this, I'm very thankfully grateful to those who have signed up and, and stepped up and signed this petition. So I just want to say thank you. God bless you. I love you. So, you know, with that being said, I want to share a reflection that was quite interesting. And it was quite interesting to me because, you know, I was doing a um, an intake for a new family. And this is a case where the family um, has been in and out of the shelter for the last, I would say, the last two years. So, you know, there's been a lot of challenges there. But I actually witnessed one of the main difficulties that this single mother was dealing with. 
and it was the fact that not her not her oldest son who has autism, but it's her young son who's only seven, and not so much they have the ADHD, although it can have um, an effect on one's behavior. But when you go out of your way, let me let me let me let me clarify this part. For those that don't know what ADHD is, that's a, a mental health disorder that was diagnosed that stands for Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder. And a lot of it is based off being restless. Your attention span hasn't been that great where you can only uh, listen in for a few moments and then you go off and just zone out and display certain behaviors that are symptoms of ADHD. So that wasn't so much my concern because I can understand the aspect of the whole behavioral aspect of it, but my concern was just the rudeness and the recklessness of this young kid's mouth. You know, the mom would tell him something, and he would just talk back to her, and she'll say something repeatedly to have him be obedient, to listen to what mom said, and he was just basically saying, I don't freaking care, I'm not going to do it, no, 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 and just throwing these ridiculous, monstrous little tantrums. And at first I said to him, I said, listen to me, boy, get that hate out your heart. I said, don't let the enemy play with you to where he's creating nastiness, hatefulness, and scornfulness in your heart and soul. Get it out of your system. And mom was telling me that he was taking medication. If I'm not mistaken, it was Vyvanse. He was taking medication of Vyvanse, if, if I'm not mistaken. And, you know, mom was saying that it hasn't kicked in. But I realized something, that mom was having such a hard time with them because she even admitted openly that she's going through anxiety and depression because of this this young man's um, behavior, where she would get phone calls every day because of his uncontrollable way of how he conducts himself on a day-to-day. But I actually got a chance to witness his behavior in full circle. Now, I said to him, I said, listen, your mom asked you to do something. Don't be nasty. Don't be rude. You know, don't act like a fool. Listen in and do what you're being told. And he tried to come off to me like, oh, I'm not going to do nothing. I said, I said, let me tell you something, boy. You trying to put fear in my heart? And he was like, uh, uh, no. I said, yeah, I thought so. I said, because the only one you need to fear is Jesus Christ himself. You need to fear God. You ain't got to be afraid of anybody, but I promise you, Ain't nobody going to be afraid of you. Now, maybe kids might be afraid of you. Who knows? But I promise you that you don't put fear in my heart. And I left it at that. Now, the flesh me was like looking at the mom like, listen, mom, I'll take the boat, take him to the back, and I'll pop his little ass. Because I ain't playing. I'll whip his little ass. I'm not playing this game. This is what has to be more implemented. And I'm not saying that's the only solution. But this needs to be you know, instructed it in a way that's all about accountability, and most of us by respect. And what I'm, and and that's something that I've said on previous shows, where I spoke, what I spoke about, how this generation is very flagrant and disrespectful to authority, and you have hypocritical idiots who tell kids that, oh, if your parents put their hands on you. You know, call the cops, call ACS if you're in New York or D.C. if you're in Connecticut, all these different acronyms depending on what state it is. But basically just call the cops whenever their parents put their hands on you. Now, I understand I would never advocate child abuse because we know that happens in this world. We know that in this crooked world that we live in, there's a lot of child abuse, there's a lot of negligence. And I, and I would never advocate for that because that's unacceptable. 
acceptable. What's also unacceptable is rude behavior, where kids feel like that they have the last say or they feel like they have a right to speak. No, the only right you're going to have at the age of seven is be quiet, do as you're told, and, and be obedient. I'm not going to sit there and reason with a seven-year-old child. You, are you crazy? And this whole notion of trying to reason and, ration, and, and be rational with a child, listen, there is no such thing as being rational to a seven-year-old. You're the authority in the household. You are the adult. You are the child. They have some respect, too. They got to adapt to what you're doing. You're not going to adapt to what they're doing. Because like I told this kid, I said, do you contribute to paying any bills? He goes, no. Then shut up. There's nothing for you to say. There's nothing for you to say. And we have to start, and, we have, and, and as adults, as parents, grandparents, step-parents, stop enabling kids to get away with bad behavior with reinforcements that's negative where they haven't earned nothing and you're buying them things and you're purchasing things because you feel bad about it. No, they have to understand that there are consequences for poor behavior. There has to be accountability when children are committing these transgressions where they know right and wrong, but they want to test the water to see if they're going to be um, swimming afloat or they're going to drown. And this encounter I had with this child, I let him know, don't act tough because you ain't tough. Now, I noticed that the mom was very overwhelmed, but it saddens me in this sense is that how is that you are a parent, and I'm not, and I'm not trying to, though I don't want this to be misconstrued where I'm throwing her on the bus. No, I'm not. But I'm just saying this is an example of the reality of what is happening in today's society where you got parents, you know, single mothers who are going through struggles and is having a hard time with a seven-year-old child. And it's like at some point in time, there has to be more of an enforcer there. There has to be a sense of authority in the household where there's certain things you're going to do, there's certain things you're not going to do, and this is the reason why. Now, that might be up for debate as far as how parents raise their kids, but there also has to be a fundamental foundation of raising your kids to be the best men and women that God wants them to be as they continue to progress with life. Show them the way. The Bible talks about how, you know, when you show the kids the way of Jesus Christ, when you show them the way or teach them the way of the Lord, they will never forget that foundation. And I think that more parents need to teach the kids in the way of the law so that when they get older and when they progress with life, they don't forget the foundation. They don't forget, you know, the words that the Lord heeds as far as what's expected of children to, to do as far as being productive young citizens. And at some point in time, we got to stop allowing society to dictate on how you raise your kid. Now, again... Don't 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 misconstrue what I said. There are there are moments where when a parent has substance abuse history, where they're high, they're drunk, and they take it out their 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 um their behavior when they're under the influence. And like I said, all all listen, all the all all, the, all alcohol does is it alters your behavior, not your morals. 
So we know that these things happen in real life where parents, when they get intoxicated or they get drunk or they get high, it, influence, it, it, it clouds their judgment to discipline their kids when they get out of bounds. Completely get it. But at some point, you have to hold kids accountable for what they say, for what they do, and or both. And both, rather, I should say, for both. You got to hold them accountable for both because if you don't hold them accountable and establish boundaries, they're going to think they could just say whatever they want or do whatever they want. And don't listen to a lot of these hypocritical point of views about how one should raise their kid. Everyone has a different way of raising their kid. But the most important fundamental that must be grasped is the notion of to teach your kids right or wrong. There's certainly the difference between good and evil. Folks, once again, 323-870-327. I press one if you want to chime in and share your thoughts. You know, press one to listen in or share something. It's very important that in this generation, where I've observed, and I said this before, that this is the most emotionally weak, this is the most emotionally weakest generation that I've ever observed, where you say something, it offends. You do something, it offends. If you come across a certain way, it's going to offend. We have to stop walking on eggshells. Stop walking on eggshells where you're afraid to do something because some might react, some might become reactionary, and they might interpret a certain way without knowing the whole facts. It is important to discipline kids. It is important to impl- you know implement a foundation and the and the foundation has to be the Lord in your life, in your in your relationships, in your marriage, in your family. God has got to be number one in your life because if you if you remove God in that foundation, there is no foundation. It's important to make sure, because I'm seeing it for myself, of what this seven-year-old kid is doing already. And for what, I, and for what was told to me, and mind you, this is a new, uh, this is a, these are new clients. So I'm doing, you know, so as I'm doing these new, um, as I'm doing this intake for these new clients, this is what's been brought to my attention. And she's basically was storytelling a little bit about her son, how she'd get phone calls because of his bad behavior. He got, you know, they got kicked out of a previous shelter because the, the, the child kicked somebody, got into an altercation. And the bottom line, like I said before, you've got to hone in on the essence and understanding and the the, the notion that you cannot allow kids to just get away with bad behavior where it's accepted or it's being justified. No, there is no justification for poor behavior. There is no justification for poor decisions. You gotta nip that in the butt because if you don't nip that in the butt, it spreads like cancer. You gotta catch it early because if you don't, it's gonna kill you. And it's important and essential to um, create that environment that's a safe haven, so that kids feel safe and also understand that there's structure and that they have to adhere to the law. You know, it's like the Old Testament. If you think about the Old Testament, how, you know, you go back to how um, Cain killed his brother Abel, with all the disorder, with what happened during, you know, um, in Sodom, where there was all types of chaos and all sorts of disorder and disarray. You know, there was a lack of structure until God enforced that idea to Moses as far as implementing the Ten Commandments. There was laws. There was structure there for a reason. 
And as parents, you have to create that structure in the household because if there's no sense of order, you're going to have the opposite end of that, which is disorder, where kids are going to be running wild and running rampant. That's why you, you have kids vaporing. That's why you have kids having sex at an early age. You got girls getting pregnant at an early age. That's why you have more kids that's in foster care. You've got to bring about order because that's what God has instructed in the beginning. Now what it comes down to is whether you choose to listen to it or not. And like I said before, I'm not here to debate. I'm not here to argue about that. Where you're standing in the life that you live, as far as your family and what's in your household, your stance is what it is. But ask yourself this question. What happens when you don't have God in your life? And what happens when you do have the Lord in your life? You're going to see the difference. That's called discernment. You will see the difference between right and wrong, good and evil. Folks, once again, 323-870-327. Press 1 if you want to chime in and share your thoughts and just listen in. Folks, I just want to say something that's going to be so cool and very delightful. I don't know if y'all heard this saying, but right before I got on the air, my wife and I was uh, having a drink of wine. And for those that are wine drinkers, whether it be red wine, white wine, there is a say that goes like this um, when it comes to age and wine. You age with fine wine. And I tell you something, it just feels great to have this moment to um, have a nice have to have a nice drink of wine before I got on the air tonight. It was also nice to have that moment to spend time with my wife as we went out um, on a date. You know, we had like a late lunch, early dinner. Um, you know, I have, came home early from work and, you know, see my wife out there wrapping up presents and gifts, you know, for, you know, for tonight and tomorrow. You know, I said, baby, you know, it's nice outside. She's like, hey, baby, you want to go somewhere? I'm like, yeah, let's go out to eat something. You know, let's, you know, let's, let's, let's go make our runs and let's go out to uh, for dinner. So we got a chance to go out. We got a chance to, you know, um, have dinner, fellowship, and, you know, just being, you know, just spending time with each other, enjoying each other's company. And, again, I've always said this before that you always want to embrace and enjoy those moments because we're never promised tomorrow. And I've said this before and i say this again. Never take life for granted because you never know what can happen within the next hour, within the next minute, within the next second, the next millisecond, within a snap of a finger. A lot can happen. So be grateful. Be thankful for what God has provided in your life because it can be taken if you're not careful. Folks, once again, 323-870-3279. Press 1 if you want to shine and share your thoughts. Um, I definitely want to get into tonight's topic when we come back from the short minute break. And this topic was quite interesting because um, this was part of what I spoke about last week, but I wanted to go into in-depth details, go into in-depth discussion, and to really continue on what it means um, to love one another, to love the Lord with all your heart and mind and soul, and to encourage each other. Folks, you listen to Being Politically Correct with Joseph MVP, Most Valuable Poet. We're going to come back and we're going to get into tonight's topic. Be right back.
Folks, once again, we're in the halfway mark. You're listening to Being Poetically Correct with MVP, Most Valuable Poet, the power thing, the radical black Puerto Rican man of God from the Bronx. My life started it. Currently resides in Bridgeport, CT. So I'll make a couple of announcements. Number one, for anyone who is literally homeless and needs to have a place to stay, an emergency shelter or safe haven, just call 211. Call 211 and just speak to uh, an operator that will help you navigate to a CAN navigator. And the CAN Navigator, which stands for a Coordinated Area Network, and what that what that person does is they connect it to um, the nearest area based off where you live at, based off your zip code. And right now the weather's nice outside. Like yesterday, it was beautiful weather-wise, but this is officially winter. We know it gets dark out there early. We know it's going to get cold as far as temperature-wise. Even the winter's going to feel colder than the actual temperature itself. The point is, is that I don't want no one seen out there sleeping on park benches, sleeping on the floor with cardboard boxes as blankets. If you if you need a place to stay temporarily, please call two one one and start your life right, start your life over and get your life back on track. And also, I am a proud author of my first of my first book called Robert Vellis Jr. Presents M V P Most Valuable Report Volume One. All you got to do is go on my Facebook page and just click on the link right below my profile picture or just go on Amazon.com and just search for Robert Vellis Jr. Presents MVP, Most Valuable Poet, Volume 1. It's all about showing love and support. Um, this is transcendental. This is a generational book that's going to connect to all generations from the older generation to the young generation. So once again, support my book in, uh, on Amazon, Robert Vellis Jr. Presents MVP, Most Valuable Poet, Volume 1. So now, as far as tonight's topic, I want to, like I said, I want to, um, you know, I want to give a shout out to Uncle Charlie. You know, I'm glad we got a chance to talk for a little bit. I was at work, and I know he was out taking care of business, but you know, we actually got a chance to talk about something that happened over the weekend, where I encountered uh, an in-depth discussion that Uncle Charlie and I had. So to clarify that, over the weekend, um, interesting things had came about. And it's funny how when, you know, when, when outcomes of politics occur where, you know, you vote for someone that best suits your ideas and agrees with most of your points and your thought process and your, um, your point of views, you actually get a chance to know who people really are. Where certain of crisis happens, when there's certain moments in one's life where um, a red flag is raised, or you know, as I, as I mentioned before, a, a crisis occurs, or you know, a moment of disdain occurs, you actually get a chance to see who that person really is. When the person was is not happy. Or is going through a challenging time. So the Bible always talks about that person who builds character, right? So Uncle Charlie and I started talking more about this today. But this all started over the weekend. And I'm going to just bring it back to why Uncle Charlie and I was talking a little bit this morning. But the whole conversation that happened Saturday, someone had posted, and this is a, 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 um, a sister of Christ. She posted something about how you know, Donald Trump is the best president, just posted a picture of his face 
And she wrote a comment saying how, oh, you know, she, I'm, I'm, let me just paraphrase. She basically was saying how focus more on the results than the behavior. And when and, and when she said that on that post, mind you, the post said Donald Trump, best president, has a picture of his face with the nice, you know, with the flag. And then she wrote a comment saying, you know, just fo- just focusing on the real, focus in on the results rather than just the act of behavior. And when I saw that comment and that that message, I I immediately responded by saying to her that you sound horribly naive and you sound very irresponsible with that comment. I said you need to highlight everything that went on. You have to highlight as far as okay, what policy you signed off. You have to highlight about his stances on certain behaviors or certain events that took place during his presidency. I said, you have to highlight everything specifically and get all the true facts to be, excuse me, to, to be projected so you're not misleading or lying to the views that's, 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 that's reading your post. So basically I was saying to her how, how is it that you are, she's Puerto Rican. I said, how is it that you are Latina? You are a woman of color, a Puerto Rican. Where this guy insults people of color by being a racist bigot. I said, do you understand what he said about Mexicans? Do you understand what he said about people who lived in African countries or in the Caribbean islands like Haiti saying it was a, it was a poop hole country? Do you realize what he said about NFL players who took a knee while the anthem was being played? I said, do you see what he said about Puerto Rico, how he treated Puerto Ricans when Hurricane Maria happened and and he went out there to visit and his overall behavior, how he exhibited towards the the fellow Puerto Rican brothers and sisters out there. And it was more like her saying, well, oh, but don't focus on the behavior, focus on the results. Well, here's the results, genius. Crime went up during his presidential run. During his presidency, crime has gone up. He has promoted less jobs in this presidency right now. I said, if you're gonna if you're gonna speak on something, speak and make sure that you get your whole facts out there. I said this before, and I said this again. This guy in the White in the White House is nothing more than a racist, manipulative, lying con artist. And it seems to me, and maybe it's just me, but no, actually, no, it's not me, because I've seen this, and I'm sure others have seen this too. It seems to me, and I don't want to come across as being insensitive, but I'm also going to be very genuine. I'm not saying that during other presidents before Trump came onto the scene, that people weren't praying for the president. I'm not saying they wasn't, but I'm sure, I'm sure that they were. But it seems to me that Christians are going out of their way of really praying for him. And I understand that, okay, certain things that he's done and said, a lot of people don't like, don't agree with, don't like. And I understand why people do pray. But it seems to me that this narrative of let's ignore his behavior and pray. No, that, that, that's, 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 that's wrong. And I told her, I said, you don't sit there and just pray without knowing the issues that's at hand. 
You got to speak about the issues is at hand. You got to speak forth about bringing awareness on what is going on in this society so that when you're trying to get a clearance and understanding of what's going on, then pray about that at the end so that the Lord could give you a better sense of exactly how you best go about dealing with these issues. Now, see, so you got to call a calling in. So I want to bring this caller in. Area code 612, last four digits, 6103. Caller, you're on the air. Yeah, good evening, brother. How are you doing now? Thanks for taking my call. Hey, what's going on, brother? Who am I speaking to? Yeah, my name is Mike. Um, I was going to ask you, uh, do you believe that it's hey, what's up, Mike? homosexuality How are you? is a sin? I'm doing, doing well. Uh, I just I wanted to ask you if you believed homosexuality was a sin. Uh, I believe that homo- I believe that homosexuality is a sin, just like everything else is a sin. Adultery, lying, saying God's name in vain, all that's a sin. Okay, I just wanted to I, I know it's a lot of Christians today are like um I'm seeing a lot of churches that like support it now. Or like Yeah. Yeah, and here's what I here's what I say to that Mike and, and I mean it, and it's really um for me. I'm just speaking for me because I'm a born again Christian who's chasing Jesus' greatness because he's the true God, the greatest of all time. And I'm saying it for me, speaking for what I've been through, what the Lord's done in my life. I've said this before and I said this again that you can't sit there and praise God's name and promote homosexuality in churches as if to say that God is love justifying sin. No. If you read the Bible thoroughly, it clearly states that homosexuality is rejected because of sin. Just like just like adultery, just like lying, just like stealing. That's all a sin. And it's and, and what I find ironic is that all the other aspects of sin it gets highlighted easily. But for some reason, when it comes to this word homosexuality, it's almost like swept underneath the carpet and it's like being hidden. No, you have to address all of that. Because it's not about promoting hate. It's about promoting the truth. And that's what it's all about because all that's honoring the Bible. No, I agree with that 100%. And a lot of it has to do with um, the propaganda that the whole LGBT movement puts out there, you know? I mean, they try to convince people that... It's love, or they talk about people being born that way, and sure. what they don't tell people is um, the American Psychiatric Association, as of nineteen nineteen seventy five, uh, they classified homosexuality as a mental illness under the category of uh, paraphilia. Now, for those okay. who don't know, you probably you may know this, brother, but paraphilia yes, is un, like unnatural uh, attraction. So you may so for those who don't know, there there are people out there that are like sexually attracted to like objects, even. Like fences yeah. or balls or balloons sure. or animals, sure. and so there's there's right. an entire category of that. So what that so the American Psychiatric Association you should have homosexuality in that category, and then the LGBT activists started protesting and showing up to their conferences and used that political pressure to get them to declassify it, and so that whole thing is hidden and not told to the general public today. Instead, this propaganda right. of people are born that way is put out there, and they did that on purpose because they knew if people would believe people were born gay, then people would be more accepting of it, and that's their whole agenda. Their agenda is to mm-hmm. make our society and our culture accepted, and from what I can tell, it looks like they almost succeeded at that, and that, that's a real that's a real travesty. And you, and, you, and you know something? It has become a strong community as far as promoting it because it's interesting how 
when you look at the worldly lifestyle, they want to shove down worldly lifestyles, worldly point of views down our throats. But when you preach about the gospel, that's offensive. Are you serious? Are you kidding me? Let me tell you something. I have said this from the past and even now, and I say this and I take this to my great brothers, that I will continue to fight for lost message. And I believe that others who are true believers who are unafraid to be bold to to be an example and to speak and preach the gospel and speak the truth is unafraid. We have to be a strong community, not to be on some old opposition of it's us against them as per se, but this is spiritual warfare. And we have to combat that spiritual warfare with love, with peace, and most of all, truth. And at the end, the law is the one that's going to convict all the truth. And in order for that to happen, we got to fight for his message and let God take over from there. But we got to fight for his message while we're still here. Hello, Mike. You still there? Yeah, I'm still here. I, I didn't. I didn't want. I thought you were still going. Okay. No, that, that, no, that, no, 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 no. I, I, just, want to, I just want to. I just want to hear what you have to say. I just want to share that. I want to hear what you had to say in response to what I just said. No, no, I agree 100. percent I think that's that's totally it. And part of the reason why this movement has been able to grow, number one, being the devil's behind it, so obviously in the world system it'll work. But secondly, to your point, it's because a lot of Christians are scared. Yeah, and what I find is, you know, because I was an atheist most of my life, and I became a Christian a couple of years ago. What I oh, found wow! Praise God! I, wow! Dope. Yeah, I appreciate that. No, but yeah, praise the Lord. And I'm just gonna say for yeah, me, for like sure. coming in when I first got saved, I was just reading the Bible like nonstop. Every I just learned everything about the faith from reading the Bible. Then when I started actually going to churches and being around Christians, and a lot of the Christians I was meeting were people who grew up Christian, right? Since they were kids, and what I found right. is a lot of them. Number one, they were scared to actually say what they believe. Number two, right. they 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 wanted to live like how the world lives, like they that was right. more desirable than to them than living by the Lord. And what I found is like, whenever you go out and do evangelism, it's like Christians be are the ones who resist it the most. Like they'll come up and tell you, you know, what are you doing and why you got a sign or whatever. And I, it blows my mind. Like their mentality is they won't get to get people to like them, or like like right. Christianity, you know. And I was telling. Just read John 7, 7. Jesus told us the whole world hates him because he testifies of it that their deeds are evil. And I always tell that's him, right. dude, if, if Jesus is letting you know right then and there that's why they hate him, why are you afraid to be hated by calling out evil? You right. Know, why, you know, it just, it's, it's this cowardly American. Like in Amer- it's not like this other parts of the world, by the way. Other Christians right. around the world, they're a lot more bold. They're not afraid to stand up for what they believe mm-hmm. in or take a stance. On and they get persecuted. America, it's like, and they get persecuted in other course. countries. And, and killed. But, they, but, oh, yeah. but, but to your point, they're speaking up and saying, no, we're going to go forward because this is what God wants us to do is to go forward and fight for his message. Think about back in the days that all those um, – think about all the apostles that spoke up and, and prophesied and – Conveyed the Lord's message They understood they were going to get persecuted Look what happened to Paul Look what happened to John the Baptist Look what happened to Peter They mm-hmm. understood But they didn't care Because they said no The Lord's message is what it is Because we've seen it And to your point You have you have Christians who are un, who are afraid To be bold To be courageously outspoken Because of the backlashes But guess what Read the Bible again it talks about how they, 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 they understood and fathomed the backlash, but they didn't care. Because the Lord fought for them, they have to fight for his message as well. Right. And imagine if the Great Tribulation comes 
and you get that real persecution starts coming down. I can already see it now. I could see 80, 90% of American Christians just completely rejecting the faith and denouncing Jesus and turning away. Because right. if, if you find it difficult to stand up and be willing to be made fun of by your family or friends because you're willing to take a stand for Christ and actually stand up for what's right and call out evil and reject it, imagine when the real persecution of the book of Revelation comes down, when your yeah. life is on the line. If right. you can't stand up to this little thing, when the big thing comes, you're just gonna you're gonna fold up so fast you're not even be able to resist it. And I feel like that's what's gonna happen. And part of it too, and this is the last thing I'll say, but I, and I appreciate you letting me speak on the show. But what I no, found of course, is absolutely. Because so yeah, so when I got when I got saved, is the Lord appeared to me in my home, and I had this radical born again experience and all that. And what I found when I go in these churches is. I don't think a lot of Christians in America are actually born again. I think a lot of Christians in America that I found, they're just culturally a Christian, meaning by that their family mm. took them to church, and they just they grew up in the church, but, like, they've never really gotten saved. They never really repented of their sins. They're not, they, right. they haven't become the new man. They haven't become regenerated by the Holy Spirit. Most of them, I mean, they've never even experienced God's love in a real way. They don't know what it's like to have the Holy Spirit or be led by the Spirit. And it's like, I now I get why they are the way they are because they're not, like, like I believe it was Paul that, or Peter that may have said it, they departed from among us because they were never of us. And I feel like that's what we're surrounded by in America. It's people who call themselves Christians in title, mm -hmm. but they're not actually saved, and their names are not in the book of life. They've, right. like, they've never been born again in the real way. They may have done some altar call, but then they're not, you know what I mean? Like, they've never been reborn again. They don't even know what that means. Sure, sure. You know, I think a lot of times people get caught up in this notion of um, on catchphrases, oh, I'm born again, I'm Christian. And to the world, it's a red flag, right? Because they look at it as, oh, a Jesus freak. But then you validate their point when you're not living the life godly, when you're not speaking godly, when you're not having that foundation in the household, when you're not being a Christian is not just I'm coming to church Sunday, see you, good morning brother, good morning sister, God bless you, keep it moving. That's un that's just not real for me. That's unrealistic for me. And when I come up from the Bronx, I don't say that's garbage, that's garbage, that's whack, because it goes so much more beyond. Than this outside surface Christian talk You've got to have these real conversations And know why these scriptures Was put in play for a reason When you think about what Jesus did When he went to different towns He prayed about it because he understood In order for me To understand what God has spoke To me I have to survey Pray about it and activate And, and it seems to me that when you have these issues at hand in this country, in America, it seems to me that people are just overlooking bad behavior, whether it be by the president, whether it be by someone else, and just overlook and just say, pray. No, you have to address the issue at hand and see what is it that's going on in this society that's impacted communities and, and, and understand how can we become a blessing to the least? How can we come to the blessing to the Lord? How can we come to a blessing to those who have been Uneducated, unaware, and how we how we become a blessing to those who have hateful souls. So, excuse me. So, just you know, praying is essential because I pray every day. But along with prayer, you got to make moves. You have to access the resource that God has put out there. And it just seems to me that people are just overlooking things, ignoring it, 
and say pray. No, that's un- that's that's not realistic. That's just not real for me. And I believe that we need to really hone in to your point of you have to go beyond than just Sunday. Church is within your mind, body, and soul. It's not just on a Sunday. It's every day in your life, at home, at your job, in your community, in your neighborhoods, in the streets. It's much more than that. And I think that's what the Lord wants us to do, is to be much more um, in tune and to be out there to prophesy, to evangelize, to to teach, to educate, to encourage, and to provide resources. That's what the Lord wants us to do. It goes much more than Sunday. So to your point, I challenge Christians in a way highly that we must do better. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I would just say, I mean, the reason why the church has no power impact in America and why Christians are, you know, basically nothing is we, we don't get our prayers answered. The reason we don't get our right. prayers answered is right. told in the scripture, which is the only way you get your prayers answered by God is in one or two situations. Number one, you're in a real desperate tight spot. You have a broken and contrite heart, and God, out of his mercy and compassion, decides to help you. That's one. But in general, the only other way that happens is if you live a life that's pleasing to him. This is what the apostle right. said. The Lord always answers our prayers because we continually do the things that are pleasing in his sight. The apostle Paul right. talked about having a clear conscience in all things before God and man at all times. What right. we have in America now is this cheap grace message being taught. The people have been taught in church that the grace of God is somehow this credit card where it's like you can live whatever you want. God loves you. There's God's grace, and it's all good. So because of that, they haven't been taught, number one, the fear of the Lord. They haven't been taught how serious sin is and how much God is in plain. They haven't been taught that Jesus himself said that most Christians are going to go to hell. They haven't been taught that. And so because they don't have any fear of God whatsoever, there's no personal kind of blame in their life. So that's why so many men today are looking at pornography and are listening after every woman they see. Why? Because they right. have no fear of the Lord in their hearts. Right. And so if you don't yeah. fear God and if you're not and if you're not living righteously in secret, not in front of people, not at the church, not at your work, no, I'm talking about in secret when no one else sees you, which is you, if you're not living in a way being conscious of the fact that God is looking at you all the time, you're never gonna get to the place where you please God. Because this is what I've experienced right. personally when it comes to pleasing God. God wants you to be fully committed in your heart, mind and will to where you take every thought captive. When you're working, to work with 100% effort at your job. No shortcuts, because God watches those things. It's the little things in your heart and mind that you may think are not a big deal that God pays attention to. And so when God looks at you, he looks to see, are you are you genuinely disciplined? Are you diligent? When you work, are you working to please people to see you? And only when people look at you, you work hard, but when no one's looking at you, you slack and you cut corners? Or do you work in a way as if God is standing right there watching you and you do it unto him and you give 110% effort at all times as if he's standing right there monitoring everything you do? That's the, that's the, that's where you go from this regular Christian life to really pleasing God and having him active in your life. Because when you get to that place when you're totally pleasing God in your thoughts, in your words, in your deeds, in the intention of your heart, and what you do in secret, that's when God's power will be magnified in your life. Because it says, right. when a man's ways please the Lord, even his enemies will be at peace with them. I've experienced this mm-hmm. personally myself. I've had the Lord speak to me and tell me when he was pleased with me when I got to that place. Right. And I'm telling you right now, it's not easy. 
If anyone gives no, you it's this, not. this cheap nonsense that you can gain God's approval through some cheap thing, it, it, it's not true. It's going to take right. total discipline and total commitment. It's disingenuous. You're right. See that, you know? Yeah. But well, I look at it this way, too. Days. Because these pastors, sure. want, these pastors want money, and they know yeah. that real message of the Bible will not make money because that message is not going to grow your church. That message right. is going to shrink your church. That mm-hmm. And that's what's happened. So. Mm-hmm. These, these, mm-hmm. these thieves that call themselves pastors have betrayed the, the whole body, and that's why Christians don't know the right. real message of the, of the gospel. And that's why the real message has to be from the Bible. For you know, in so much that you talked about, I agree with. Then it's interesting because you know I'm just thinking about different scriptures that comes to my mind. One of the scriptures that comes to my mind is without knowledge you're destroyed. So if we don't have knowledge of what's going on, there's no way we're going to be able to indicate and discern the difference between right and wrong, good and evil. And those the Bible talks True. about without faith. Is dead without faith. The good works that you do means nothing. So if you don't have faith in your life to be guided by the Spirit to lead you to activate the resources and the access to utilize in His name to bring bring forth fruit to go about awareness where you might be, you know, outnumbered by the world, but God is the one. That's all you need because He overrides and supersedes. And he is your armor in your life. That's all you need. So you can have 7.7 billion people on earth can tell you no. But if the Lord tells you yes, you're going to ride with his wavelength. No if, and so maybe. The end. And I think that as a, as a community, there's a word within a community. Unity. There's a word in communion. Union. At this stage, it's time to stop talking and being about it. Because the same way how worldly people are watching us, we got to watch how they do things so that once we see what's happening, we know how to best go about it. And this is why I say prayer becomes so essential because you have to know what's going on around you, in your community, in your job, in your neighborhood to address the issue that's at hand. Like, for example, last week I was speaking about how Netflix had promoted the stupidity of a comedy about um, depicting Jesus Christ being a homosexual, how... You know, 1.3 million people stepped up and signed a petition and said, you know what, this is not right. We're going to take a stand. That's the whole idea behind this, as an example, is take a stand and fight for him. Because guess what? He fought for us when he went to the cross and bear the cross for our sins, took the lashes for our sins. So you mean to tell me that as believers we can't fight for him? That's unacceptable, and we have to do better. But why, why would people care about that? Why they you saying why they would care about that? Yeah, why? Like, why would you even be surprised that Netflix would do like, you know what I'm saying? No, I'm like, not they're talking about the devil's kingdom and the devil's right. world. That's what's supposed to happen. Like, the, I mean, think about what we're what we're living in. America's not a Christian. No, no you, you have to realize most of the world is against the Lord. Most of it, including most yeah. of these churches, most of these people you see. So you got to get right. your mind up this whole numbers thing. Or gaining kind of approval. Most you're gonna find out in life, you're gonna be maybe a handful of actual real Christians in your whole life. You'd be lucky if you get to ten. I mean, that's just the reality. The Bible says most of the world is going down the path of destruction, and only a few are on the path to life. And you'll see this. And if you've been into enough churches, you'll see it. Most of the people mm-hmm, in the churches, have. forget the I world, have. but most of the churches, you know this. Most of them, they're not really taking it serious. 
Most people are having sex out of marriage. Most people are cheating on their husband and wife. Most people are getting drunk, getting high. Most people are watching ungodly movies, listening to ungodly music, where you literally, outside of that church building, you could not tell the difference between them and an unbeliever. Nine times out of mm-hmm. ten, they're doing the exact mm-hmm. same thing. Sure. Just, sure. just be real. Sure. So they're, they're just forget the numbers. Let it go. Even You never saw Jesus chase the numbers ever once in all of Scripture. He would say the hard truth. Thousands would leave him. He would just wipe his hands and say goodbye. He wouldn't care because he knew the reality is most people are not going to make the actual commitment required to actually live for the Lord. He knew that. Mm-hmm. Remember when he told them, when he told them, if you don't eat my blood and, and, and if you don't drink my blood and eat my flesh, you cannot. You'll have no part of me. Remember, thousands of his disciples yes. left, and all yes, that were right. left with the twelve. He didn't, he didn't turn around and try to convince the thousands to come back. He did that purposely because he knew what was coming. Remember when the crowds were coming to him after he fed yes. the five thousand, and of he wanted course. to make him king. He hid himself from them, right? Because he knew right. the numbers never mattered because he knows the vast majority of people are not genuine, and they'll never be genuine, and they'll never care. Right. They'll never really repent, no matter what you say or do, man. So you just forget it. All this worldly stuff around you, it's gonna get worse and worse, man. We know what's mm-hmm. coming. We read the Book of mm-hmm. Revelation. America is going to go down. Right. The beast system's coming. Persecution's coming. So people need to get right. the right mindset here, man. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So, well, let the world and, do what and, they're going to do. They're going to go to hell anyway. Yeah. And you know something? At the end of the day, because, bro, I'm going to tell you something. This, would be, this, is, this is a really good conversation, but time is about to go up, my brother. But I'll say this. Okay. Yeah, what it comes it. down yeah. to is altering the thought process. You know, the Romans 12 who says that do not be conformed with the world, but be transformed with the renewal of the mind. For let it be good, let it be perfect, and acceptable to God's will. So it comes down to the altar and the thought process being different. And at the end, to your point, God knows whose heart is really chasing after his, whose heart he truly desires him. But on that note, um, I just want to say, Mike, thank you so much. Thank you for listening in. I enjoyed this conversation with you, my brother. I pray that you continue to do great things for the Lord and let the Lord use you in mighty ways to further advance what his message is and just be in the example, my brother. God bless you. Merry Christmas to you. You're doing great things. I'm proud of you, brother. Yeah, thank you, brother. God bless you, too. Have a great day. For sure, brother. We'll talk again. Yes, sir. Folks, listen. You heard the conversation. This is what you appreciate. These are the conversations that these are the conversations that Mike and I was having is what we need to continue to do is be an example, continue to fight for the lost message and being the light that's shed through darkness. And no, it's not an easy battle, but there's victory in Jesus' name, and that's what we got to hold on to. Folks, there's about 90 seconds left. I just want to say once again, have a wonderful, safe holidays. Merry Christmas to you guys. I love you. God bless you all. We're going to go out again to Monday night, the day before New Year's Eve. It's going to be a special edition at 8 o'clock p.m. sharp. Love you. God bless you. I'm out.